Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Structure is a fixture in my day, now more than ever. I'm an early riser, and one of the first things I do every day is take Jovi, our mini golden doodle, out on her morning walk. Heading into these winter months, as the weather changes, your dog may experience a rough, dry, chapped, or even cracked nose. The dryness ranges from a bit of a dry nose to the intensely dry condition known as nasal hyperkeratosis. While nasal hyperkeratosis can often be a lifelong condition, the good news is nose butter from Rough Nose, spelled R-U-F-F, will moisturize your dog's nose back to health. Rough Nose believes in supporting your pet's health and well-being with high-quality formulated products. All products are human-grade and are made with 100% natural ingredients and were formulated by a master herbalist. Their 100% natural, human-grade supplements are free of any added preservatives, additives, flavorings, or artificial color. All ingredients are organic or ethically wild-crafted and sourced from trusted suppliers and made in the USA. Once again, Rough Nose, spelled R-U-F-F. Visit www.roughnose.com and use coupon code MILE40 for 30% off on your next purchase. Mile 40 is back for another episode, and I'm extremely grateful for just the extreme variance we've had in the stories that have come on board so far. Today's story kind of takes us for another twist, and, and, and today's guest has a background that's very unique relative to a lot of the guests that we've brought on board. I'd like to introduce you all to Richard Kane Shep. He's going to be going by Kane on this podcast. He's been in the security industry for nearly 30 years. He's amassed eight list celebrities as his clientele. He's been managing security for world-renowned events. His career started when he dropped out of high school at 17. We're going to dive into that. He began working on the Sunset Strip. Johnny Depp's head of security took him under his wing to train and show him the ins and outs of the Los Angeles club scene. Kane went on to become GM at the Key Club, located on West Hollywood's famed Sunset Strip. During his time at that venue, Kane and his team hosted some of the biggest names in music and entertainment. Since then, he continued to work with many A-list celebrities. He ran security for Diana Ross. He provided his brand of service and traveled all across America entrusted with her children's safety while adapting to new cities and states. He was the head of security for the late Stan Lee during the last year of his life. He was also the head of security for Dan Bilzerian, and he still provides his services for his special events. Kane manages a multitude of security teams with his main focus currently being on the needs of Dan Fleischman and his world of companies. Kane is now COO of Dan's Black Site Ranch, leading it to be one of the world's most well-known ranches. Kane, that's quite the resume that you got there. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm, I'm taking a look at you and, you know, and, and I'm looking at, at your bio and, and some of the information that was shared. And, you know, just looking into your eyes, I see a lot of depth personally. I feel like, you know, you're someone who has learned a lot through experience over the course of his lifetime. And it's really hard to kind of determine where to begin. So I'm going to kind of take a step back here and maybe do this a little bit more biographically. Let's talk about where you grew up. Where did you grow up and where did life get started for you? I was born in San Diego and then grew up in Los Angeles. Got it. And can you talk a little bit about your upbringing? Did, did you have a big family, small family, um, uh, the neighborhood, perhaps? 
I had, well, ultimately I ended up with three sets of parents, Okay. you know, and uh, a lot of stepbrothers and stepsisters and, and then siblings that I grew to know over a course of time in my life. Got it. Um, and did that family dynamic, uh, play a major role for you in, in terms of development at, at a younger age or for you, was it kind of one of those things where whoever was taking care of you at the time made sure you were taken care of and, and, and kind of helped you live life under those circumstances? You know, growing up for me was, was, it wasn't easy, you know, but at the same token, you know, there's no handbook to be a parent. So, I mean, all of my parents, you know, they did the best that they could in every possible way that they could, you know, but as far as myself, you know, like my stepfather always told me, you know, he said, you know, you can look at all the ways and then you're going to choose the hardest way. And that was pretty much my path that I, I tended to, you know, put myself through on a regular basis, you know, was to do things on my own, you know, and, and, you know, I, I didn't, not that I didn't listen to other people, but at the end of the day, I trusted what I wanted to do. And is that very much still how you live life today? Yeah, I weigh everything out. You know, I look as, you know, from as many points of perception as possible, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't sway, you know, I don't sway, but at the same time, I pivot very well. You know, it's interesting kind of hearing you say that. Do you think there's any correlation between that approach and the field that you work in? You know, working in the security field, kind of that innate ability to, you know, weigh out all the factors, kind of consider everything and, and essentially use your instinct at times. You have to use your instinct. You know, it's all instinct, you know, and, and you know, and obviously the more experience that you have, uh, the more you can tap into and weigh things out accordingly to that. You know, you, you know, there's so many different ways to see so many different things, you know, and, and you can be pulled in so many different directions. So you really have to, what I call you, you need to be the rock that makes the rapids, you know, and, and that's how I've lived my life is, you know, being the rock that makes the rapids and, and, not allowing any currents to take me down in a different direction that isn't meant for me or isn't meant for my clients or isn't meant for, you know, my objectives, you know. Did you ever get into any trouble when you were younger? Oh yeah. I got in a lot of trouble, <laughs> you know, and, and I got in a lot of trouble, you know, I was a really, um, my heart was always the same, you know, but I, I grew up around a lot of gang activity, you know, I, I, and I went to juvenile hall when I was a child, you know, for something I didn't even do, but mm -hmm. because I didn't snitch or whatever, I ended up, you know, going to juvenile hall and, and facing consequences for something that I didn't even do, you know, and, and looking back, you know, like it's, it's so interesting how I, I was so strong in my conviction that, you know, I wouldn't say who did what or whatever. And I just took the rap, you know, and it, but I don't regret that either. You know, that's, that's part of who I am as well. You know, like that showed me a lot about the people that I was around. And, you know, as I started emotionally developing my intelligence, I started to understand different levels and stages of life that no longer, um, that I was no longer bound to, you know, and, and that my loyalty could be to myself and for, what it was my purpose would be, you know, but yeah, I got in a lot of trouble. I lost a lot of teeth growing up as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your, yeah. your teeth, your teeth look great right now. Uh, yeah, I but... paid a lot of money for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to walk us toward what happened when you made the decision to drop out of high school, if you made that decision or if that decision was made for you um, at the time, maybe that's kind of, um, work toward that. Was there anything in particular that led to that happening? There was a multitude of things that, that, that navigated my life towards that. You know, I, after juvenile hall, I, I was brought to my mom, you know, and my mom, you know, she was going through a lot at that time too, you know, and I probably wasn't the easiest, uh, I probably wasn't as easy as I could have been with her, you know, and I probably made her life a lot harder than it needed to be, you know, and, at the same token, I don't think that she was ready to be 
what I needed her to be either at that particular time, you know, and it was, you know, easier for me to drop out of high school and, and just get out on my own. You know, I, I had a, a, one of the OGs that took me under his wing back in the days, you know, he had a spot right on Sunset Boulevard and I ended up, you know, renting a, a couch off him. So I just moved right in there and, you know, I started, uh, I was walking through the parking lots behind the Sunset Strip one day and, you know, I asked one of the, what I thought was a boss there if they were hiring, you know, to be a parking attendant. And he said, you know, come back at 9 p.m. tonight, wear a tie. So I did my best to find a tie and came back. And then I started working behind the, it was called the Central. Um, and Johnny Depp had just bought that to make it into the Viper Room. Crazy. Yeah, um, it was crazy. Um, and what happened when you, when you encountered Johnny? I mean, the, my, my first encounter, you know, I was a kid, I was, it was, uh, I was working the back, the, how do I say the, the overflow lot, you know, okay. behind another building and the main lot behind the bike room was uh, already full. So we had my lot that I was working at was full as well. And, and you know, Johnny, we all called him JD, JD pulled in his Porsche hmm. and uh, there was no spots for him. So he pulled into the lot next to a car that was parked parallel to this wall. And, you know, he got out and he's like, here, you want my keys? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm good. I'm not going to drive your car. You know, back in those days, it was hard to drive Porsches and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and, and these exotics because they all were clutch and stick yeah. shift. And the clutch was so heavy. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't like, now nah, you just get in and go. And uh, I was like, no, I don't need to drive it. I'll move every car around your car, sir. <laughs> and he's like, you're like, really? So I was like, yeah, really. You know, and uh, and then he gave me a really nice tip and told me, hey, if you need me, just come in and grab me. You know, and that was our first interaction. That's you know? incredible. I'm going to kind of take a step back here and just kind of hearing just how this all started. At that point in life, did you have any vision for your success or where you wanted to be? Did you even think that you deserved, you know, success? Cause you know, you, you, you were looking for a tie that morning, you know, or, or were you just kind of in hustle mode? I was definitely in hustle mode, you know, and, and I had to, I had to work, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different situations in their life and none is better than the other. There's no mistakes in life, but at that particular time, you know, I, I had to get uh, out of the couch situation that I was in and get into an apartment, you know, and, and then I ended up taking in my brother when he was 14, you know, so I think it probably took me probably, I don't know, four or six months, whatever it was to work out a situation to get an apartment and then get my brother in there who dropped out of school. And, you know, I told him, all right, you're going to drop out of school. You're going to have to start working, you know, and, and. You know, one of my friends, you know, he was uh, cleaning the Viper room. He was also the back doorman of the Viper room. And then back in his OG days, you know, he was like the doorman for Studio 54. And he became my, my roommate. And he was, it was interesting. You know, he, I learned a lot from him, you know, and, and like here he was the man at night, you know, working like the Sunset Strip door, which was the cool door. You know, everyone wanted to go in the front door, but all the celebrities came in through the back door. You know, and then he would take off his suit and then he would start cleaning the club. You know, it was, it was, it was interesting to me. It was like, he wasn't too cool for that, you know? And then, so I made a deal with my brother that he had to start working, you know, and he did, he fucking, he helped me out working in the parking lot. And then, um, well, you know, I, I kind of jumped a little bit, but I made that parking lot my own business. But like sure. after, you know, I had to work hard. So I got a job in the daytime in the building that owned the parking lot with a different owner. So I worked there six days a week in the daytime, 10 to six. And then the, the parking uh, lot job was seven nights a week from six to 12 or six to 2 a.m. So I would double dip six days a week, you know, and then Sunday I'd just work at night. And I did that for a long time, you know, when a lot of other people were, you know, doing other things. I was, my head was down grinding. 
yeah. you know, and, and through that, I met a lot of people that ran Hollywood, you know, and, yeah. you know, and earned a lot of people's respect um, because of how hard I worked and my willingness to do the jobs that uh, most people thought they were too good to do or they would be embarrassed to do them, you know, so, you know, I, you know, I was thankful that I, that I had the heart that I did and the willingness that I did at that time when I made that decision that I'm not in Hollywood. You know, I was getting invited to A-list clubs, you know, young, you know, I get put on the guest list, no ID required from different people, you know, and um, I would go to these clubs where all these people, you know, you had celebrities and all sorts of different A-list people there. And I asked myself, why am I here? You know, I'm looking around and I don't, I don't, I don't have money, you know, I, I, I not famous, you know, and, and I think I'm here because I work hard. I'm here because of my integrity, my virtue, my honor of who I am. So like, you know, I don't need to go out, you know, and, and, and I just started grinding even harder, you know, and, and, and those days, um, there was a Johnny and his partner, Sal, they created this uh, night called Metal Shot, and they wanted to have this 80s cover band. Mm-hmm. And uh, next door, a couple stores down from the bike room, Ozzy Osbourne was shopping at this little trinket store called Pow Wow. And, uh, you know, they had heard that he was there, and they're like, hey, you know, why don't you go run over there and, and you know, bring Sal with you and, and see if he can do the introduction for this cover band, for the 80s cover band we're going to have tonight. and. Uh, so we, we went up there, he'd already left and he was walking up the Sunset Strip. At this time, Ozzy Osbourne was um, doing his reality show with his family in those days off the Sunset Strip. So uh, we caught up to him across the street from the Roxy, getting ready to cross the street, waiting for the turn, uh, waiting for the walk signal to go. And I go, hey, sir, um, you know, we catch up. I was like, sir, this is Johnny Depp's partner, introduced Sal. And I said, you know, we're doing this eighties cover night tonight. It's our first launch of it. It's going to be big. Um, we're wondering if you would like to, you know, come be a part of it and announce, you know, this. And and he's like, well, you know, Sharon likes to go out, you know, and he just looked at us for and paused for a second and he goes, I get paid to go out. And then he just like, then he just like shuffled across the street. And then that changed my perception too. You know, I was like, wow, you know, like, like I'm not going to go out unless I get paid. You know, and and that's how it ended up being for me. You know, I just, where everyone else would go out to party and stuff, it was work for me. And, you know, it was a classroom. Every club that I I went, I worked at a lot of clubs, you know, and and, um, when Big Ed took me under his wing, Big Ed was Johnny Depp's head of security. When he took me under his wing, you know, um, he taught me a lot, you know. I mean, he was like, you know, know, in, in the parking lot, in the parking lots in those days on the Sunset Strip, you had the whiskey spilling uh, spilling out, the Roxy spilling out, the Rainbow spilling out, like all these different clubs and all these different people. And the Sunset Strip was different. It was alive, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of tough guys on the Sunset Strip coming from all over, everywhere, you know, like, and, you know, I, I developed a reputation to defend myself, you know, and when he took me under his wing, he's like, look, everyone knows that you know how to use your, your, your fist. You know, I'm going to teach you how to use your head and, you know, we're going to put you on and you're going to bounce with us now, but I'm going to show you how to use your head. And he did, you know, he helped me develop parts of my emotional intelligence. If you say, you know, where I didn't rush in, he taught me not to rush into things. And then, you know, you get good at what you do every day, you know, and with the right people mentoring you and coaching you and, you know, you don't need to, well, if you listen, a lot of people don't listen, you know what I mean? But then those people don't want to mentor a coach. You know, I'm going through that with trying to coach and mentor youngsters right now. You see who wants to learn, you know, and, and then you invest in the ones that do. And luckily and thankfully, my mindset, my heart attracted people to want to mentor me and coach me and, and help me navigate in a lot of ways in Hollywood, you know, so. I love that. You know, you're clearly still to this day, very much a student, you know, and and when you think about everything that you've accomplished thus far, I think this is a note to all the listeners out there. 
you know, you're never done learning. You know, that this man is extremely established within his industry. And it all started out on a day where he had to find a tie to put on. And, you know, we barely even scratched the surface so far. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's extremely commendable. And I'm just kind of in awe just just listening to you speak here because not only are you very well spoken, you know, you had mentioned the growth of your mindset throughout all that. Uh, Big Ed was was the name of the... Uh, Big you know, Ed Shaw. Yeah, when Big Ed took took you under his wing and he said that you know how to use your fists and, and that he was going to teach you how to use your mind, it's extremely commendable to kind of just see that that type of beginning. And clearly you've taken that into, and turned it into into a lot more. Before we kind of talk about what happened next, I want to get back into what some of your goals were at the time. You know, I'm sure when you first started and you were in hustle mode financially, you know, you had to get yourself established. But did you have any personal goals at that time? You know, were you looking just to kind of get maybe out of the scene, out of the area, move to somewhere quiet? Were you looking to eventually settle down? Or was it really just focused on just survival and, and kind of proving to yourself that you can make it, you can take care of yourself and that, you know, you can get established. It was, I was in survival mode for sure, you know, and, and with a lot to lose, you know, and then at the same token with nothing to lose, you know, and I say a lot to lose because, you know, I was watching on, in Hollywood, you know, people giving up their integrity and their virtue and honor and like, you know, losing things that when you give those cornerstones away, you don't get them back. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I was lucky that, that, uh, I understood my core values going into it, you know, and, and therefore I was the rock that made the rapids with all that, you know, but I was in survival mode, mastering fight or flight, really, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, you know, did I have goals? Uh, no, I didn't have like a normal goal, like, yo, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be in a quiet neighborhood or I'm going to go do this or that. No, I was in survival mode. I had to make it work every day. You know, I couldn't say no to jobs. You know, I mean, I could, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't let myself say no to jobs and things because I had, you know, you know I had my brother, you know, you know, my best friend, you know, like, like I couldn't say no because one is I had to be an example to him of what he needed to be at that particular time. He ended up doing really well, you know, way beyond any expectations that I could have ever imagined for him, you know, and, and teaches me things now, you know, but I was mastering fight or flight for sure, you know, and, and my goal was just to keep my cornerstones no matter what, you know, and, and, you know, being in Hollywood, there's a lot of things that come at you in a lot of yeah. different directions on a lot of stages, you know, and, and, I didn't fall prey or victim. I was able to acclimate and adapt and pivot, you know, and, and, you know, I had the willingness to, to create, but I didn't think long-term. I was just thinking I was so thankful for what I was doing at that particular moment that I could have a place to live, that I could be with my brother and have him have a place to live and, and, you know, have work for myself and have, have work for him, you know, it was a different time. You know what I mean? Like we were the kids of the sunset strip since we, and, and everybody knew us, you know what I mean? Like our name was known everywhere, not because we were cool, but because of how hard we worked. And then we became what people thought was cool, but it was all because we worked so hard, you know? So no, I didn't have like the, the regular goals or, or, or like that. My goals were to keep my integrity, to make sure that stayed intact, make sure I didn't, you know, sway to, you know, working doors in Hollywood and stuff like that. You know, people want to bribe you and they think they can bribe this and bribe that. Well, I developed a reputation of not taking bribes, you know, which which is why Dan Bilzerian ended up hiring me for, you know, to run his security after running his events in Hollywood, you know, because, you know, I was turned down tens of thousands of dollars on a regular basis, you know, when I would do that kind of stuff. But no, I, my goals were, like I said, I wanted to keep my integrity intact no matter what came at me. You know, I wanted to have a, like, it was important. Like, I didn't think this, but I felt this, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to keep this. And I just felt it, you know? Yeah. So. I love that so much. And I, I think that there's a lot of correlation here because regardless of what industry someone works in, a lot of times, especially at, 
you know, the earlier stages of their career, when they see success all around them, they have to make a conscious decision essentially to not lie, cheat or steal to get to where they want to be. Um, and it seems like, you know, that was something that you had made, you know, uh, to yourself early on in terms of maintaining your integrity, like you said, and I love that you kept saying it over and over again, is it being a priority for you? And clearly it has paid off. Um, uh, you know, I, I recall earlier parts of my career where working in a much different industry at the time, I had also kind of consciously said to myself that, you know, I want to get to where I want to go, but no matter what, you know, I'm not going to lie, cheat or steal to get there. Um, and I want to ask if we can kind of dive into where do you think that came from? You know, that commitment to integrity, was that something that was always instilled or, you know, was there a period where you had kind of just realized the value of your integrity? I think, you know, honestly, I'd never, I don't know, it was just natural. You know, I just, uh, I think it was just the way that my spirit is, you know, it's just something that I didn't have to consciously think about it for myself. You know, it was just something that I naturally felt, you know, and um, like I said, like I grew around a lot of tough people and doing, you know, the first time I got shot at, I was like 15 years old, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you just, I don't know, I just, I never had to think about that. And I'm thankful that I didn't, you know what I mean? Like it just naturally was instilled as you would say, you know? Yeah. No, and, and, and getting to know you, I'm thankful as well. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit more now about how things kind of grew from there. You've distinguished yourself based on the fact that you're someone that people could trust. You're, you've distinguished yourself as someone that the A-list can trust and that could invest in you, you know, at the highest level when it comes to security. Security is probably one of the most, if not the most important, you know, uh, item uh, for them to kind of make sure that they got a strong hold of. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about what happened after you worked with Johnny um, and how you kind of built on that to get the other opportunities that came your way. Well, after the Viper room, you know, I didn't just like start off uh, doing security. You know, I was parking cars. I was, you know, uh, scrubbing toilets, cleaning floors, washing dishes, you know, um, helping with sound. You know, there was, I did every job, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there was no job, like, you know, that, that I did, I, I didn't, I did them all. My brother and I both did, you know? So like, it took a lot of stages. Like we'll just cramp it up real quick. But like it was a lot of stages that I had to develop and, and grow through and carve out before I was presented with the opportunity to be part of their security team. And, and you know, those were all the big OGs at that time to work at the bike room. Like it said a lot, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people wanted to work there, yeah. but a lot of people didn't get to work there. You know what I mean? So it, it, it was a lot of stages to, to get there, but after the Viper room, you know, I, uh, you know, when, when, um, when Johnny and everybody said goodbye to the Viper room and all of our lives went different directions, you know, and, um, I was trying to get a bouncer job, you know, I mean, like I was going to every club, like here's, here I've been bouncing at the Viper room been running. I did the door at the Viper room. I ran the back door at the Viper room, you know, like, and people laughed at me. You know what I mean? Like these, these big dudes, you know, different, different types of people. They laughed at me like, oh, bro, like, what are you going to do, dog? You know what I mean? You're five yeah. foot eight, 170 pounds soaking wet. Like, like we're giants, bro. You know what I mean? I, I got yeah. ridiculed. I got laughed. I got made fun of. They didn't know my reputation like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they didn't watch me and car, you know, see me carve out what I did. And, you know, then um, it, it was very discouraging. You know what I mean? Like to think like, you know, I just was at this spot with all these stripes that I'd earned. And now like these dudes don't even want to mess with me, you know? And, and, um, then I, I applied at the key club and I met with the head of security and he was this OG Boston dude, you know, and he's like, all right, I got you. I'll give you a shot, you know? And, but he threw me at the back door, you know? So now I'm like at the back door, like, you know, like, okay, you know, but I had to earn it. Now I had to start all over. You know, and he, you know, I went from, you know, making decent money at the Viper room to, you know, not making very much there. And, but I did it, I needed it, you know, and, and I, I mastered that position and they put me in another position and, and, and I ended up working all the positions, you know, you know, like my first mosh pit was at the key club, you know, he's like, all right, Kane, you're going to work the mosh pit tonight. 
And I was like, okay, I've never even been in a mosh pit. You know, I grew up around gangsters. Gangsters yeah. don't mosh, you know what yeah. I mean? I was like, all right. And I, and I was getting ready to go to the, the pit area before the band came on. And, um, you know, he's like, all right, give me a radio. You got to go ghost. I'm like, I don't have radio. You know what I mean? Like, like, all right. And I go in there and I'm, and I'm looking around, you know, it's three, 400 people in the pit, you know, like just crowded. And I was like, what do I even do? I don't even know what to do, but I just yeah. quieted myself and I waited and, and music started going and then guys started getting down and going crazy. And, and I, and I seen one dude go down so hard and I didn't have to think. I just jumped right in and pulled him up. Wow. And I went back to my position. I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So I put my arms like this where I could, you know, catch and do different things. And, and that's what I did. I helped people all night. You know, I didn't need to try to be tough. I just literally, and by helping people all night, I ended up earning the respect of all these OGs of that scene. You know what I mean? And, and you know, which ended up, I ended up having a really good time actually, you know, and, and, and I did a lot there though, but you know, he gave me a shot when a lot of other other guys didn't. You know, and he's really hard on me, though. You know, and, and a lot of people would have given up with the way that he treated a lot of the guys. But I I felt like there was other things that I could learn from him as well. So I stuck it out until, until it was time to move on to something else. You know? It's critical to point out that he gave you that shot because I have a feeling that you perhaps want to be that person for someone else, you know, now that you are in this capacity where you're instructing, coaching, mentoring, that, you know, when you see that person who reflects who you were at that time, you remember that you were given a shot at one point and how much that kind of meant to you. And, you know, I, I think that's something that, again, crosses industries and experiences. And, and I think that's very, very special. You know, when I when I look at you, and again, because this is mainly going to be taught over audio uh, or shared over audio, you have a very cool, calm demeanor, despite working in an industry that's perhaps very chaotic. Were you always this calm and cool? Or were you, uh, <laughs> or was this something that, you know, kind of, because you talk about the mosh pit experience, for instance, and what you learned yeah. there. Uh, how long did it take you to kind of get this kind of demeanor? Or were you always like this? I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it was always a natural, you know, I was always good under pressure. You know, yeah. but you know, it's it's uh it's a journey, you know, yeah. it's my journey. It's it's who I am. I, I don't know it's just part of who I am, you know, like just I get when a lot of people, you know, that's why I say the rock and the rapids, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people they they let the currents of life take them wherever it's going, you know, and, and I've I've learned and self taught and been taught and you know, that I, I can't do that. And I wouldn't be who I am today, you know, if I wouldn't have allowed myself to be present with whatever I've been going through. So therefore, I don't, you know, I'm, I've gotten really good at not taking things personally, you know, and, and, you know, to really fine tune what you're asking. I don't know, you know, I, I don't have an answer for that. You know, I just am who I am but it's been a lot of stages to get here, you know, and I would imagine that, you know, looking back as a youngster, when I was young, I was like this, but not at this level, you know, it's always been my path. And I, and I'm a strong, you know, believer of where our journey, our road, you know, and this has always been my road and every choice and every decision that I made and didn't make led me to this outcome right here and who I am right here. Do you feel a calling to the protection of others? you know, those around you, yeah. and those who hire you. And, you know, clearly you take your your job very seriously, but it, it seems like it's a little bit more than that. You know, perhaps people that you're even loyal to, your friends, your family, loved ones, anyone that's around you, you strike me as being a protector at all costs. Um, is that correct? Do that, am I reading that right? Yeah, always. You know, I mean, you know, as a youngster, you know, coming up, you know, like I, I always, I didn't like it when people were bullied, you know, and, and, and I wasn't a big kid. I'm still not a big guy. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I, I, I was always the, the person that would step in and intervene, uh, even if I got beat up trying to do it, you know, or if I saw somebody getting jumped, you know, and, 
and we're getting beat down, you know, like, I don't care if I was alone. I went over there and I would, we'd be shoulder to shoulder, back to back doing it. You know, I just, I, I've always naturally cared deeply for other people's safety, you know, and I, I don't know why. That's just part of who I am as well. And, you know, I didn't plan as a kid, like, yo, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to try to be a bouncer. I'm going to try to run doors. I'm going to try to run clubs. I'm going to build teams. I'm going to work for celebrities. I'm going to be a bodyguard. I'm going to do this. I never thought that far ahead of it. You know, I just naturally was in the moment. And each one of those moments brought this outcome. So, yeah, it's been naturally for me to protect and look after people. You know, I'll always look after the people. I just can't help it. I think there's a direct correlation between that and, and your success, to be honest, is again, as a complete third party here. You know, I, I see the conviction in, in how you speak. I see it in um, how you relay your own journey. It's undoubtedly been a mission for you that you take very personally. And I, I think that, you know, is why, you know, you've been able to succeed at, at the ranks that you have been able to. When you think about everything that you've done, especially in the Hollywood scene, especially when you think about uh, the A-list celebrities that you've worked with, the amount of money that's been rolling around in, in, in that kind of environment. I'm sure you've seen a lot of things and, and some things that perhaps are mortifying to the average person. Was there ever a point where you wanted to walk away from this industry? Or um, you know, did you always just kind of take it as as part of your duty? Um, and that not everybody was built for this, but I was. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, when you've got a couple thousand people and three, four hundred people getting down, you know what I mean? And, you know, not everyone's geared up to go run into that, you know, and, and you know, and I, I mean, I've experienced riots and melees and, you know, some crazy things, you know, and seeing the sunset strip closed down well there's there's 150 or more people fighting in the middle of the street getting knocked out into cars you know cars stopping and all that man i've i've had bottles bashed over my head you know i've i've lost teeth i've had people try to shoot me stab me with screwdrivers knives razor blades um all sorts of different things you know people pull back all everything you know and i've had my life threatened a lot mainly when I was younger, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. and bouncing at, at, at tough clubs and, you know, but, you know, you, I attract a certain level of, um, I just diffuse and deescalate without even trying now. It's crazy. Like I just, I come into a situation and my energy just starts working through it. And I don't even know how, you know, like I can, I just developed it at a, at a young age. That's how I got the name Kane. You know, when I was bouncing, like, you know, we would, uh, we would have, you know, the, the other, uh, the seasoned guys or the bigger guys or the, the tough guys, you know, they wouldn't be able to deescalate or defuse the situation, you know, and, and, um, they would call me up, you know, get Kane up here when he came up here, you know, and then so I'd come up and I was always good at just talking to people, you know, and, and relating to people, you know, and, and, not talking at them, but talking with them, you know, I, you know, and, and I had to be tough too. You know what I mean? I mean, I, it wasn't easy, but I'd come up and they'd be all jacked up in the club, you know, crazy night, just beat up somebody over here, did something over there, whatever it was. And I, I always had empathy for people. I still, I have so much empathy for people, you know, and, and uh, I would run up and I not knowing what I was coming into. And then guys would be bigger, always bigger than me. Very rare, very rare would they be my size or smaller, you know. And uh, I'd always just go right to their ear. You know, a lot of people they need to talk with everybody as an audience. You know what I mean? And they're trying to they're trying to like raise their voice so everyone can hear that they're talking to this guy. Well, I, I didn't. I don't need to do that. So I'd go right to their ear and be like, "Hey, check it out. You know, you got a couple options." I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it down. Like, I don't know what you're going through in your life right now, but this is going to be the outcome. Okay. I'm going to tell you like this, like you can walk away right now, ego intact. You know, you come back another night, I'm going to buy you a beverage. You bring your girl and make you look good, whatever it is, you know, but if you go crazy right now, like I'm going to put you to sleep, like you're going to go to sleep and then you're going to be confused and disoriented because I'm going to wake you up somewhere else, you know, and then I'm going to have a bottle of water for you. And I'm still going to help you. 
you know, but it doesn't have to go that way. Yeah. And you're probably like really tough. Like you're probably really tough in your life, but I've trained my whole life for this moment right here. And I'm sober. All right. <laughs> you're not. So you're not going to be at your top of your game right now. So literally it doesn't have to go any way you want, bro. And nine out of 10 times, you know, you like, they end up opening up. Oh man, my girl did this. Or my, my, my mom just died. Like you'd be surprised the stories that all of a sudden, like, now you have a connection with this person and then everyone's looking at you like, what did you just say to him? Well, because no one else heard it. You know what I mean? And, and I think a lot of people, when they roll up, they make matters worse, yeah. you know, by the way that their energy comes up and you get good at what you do every day, yeah. you know? And, and in those days I had to diffuse and deescalate everyday stuff. You know, like we would get, you know, 500 to 1500 people, on a nightly basis. And sometimes they'd be gangsters. Sometimes they'd be punk rock. Sometimes it'd be country. Sometimes it would be every genre, you know? So you had to pivot and adapt and acclimate to all these different types of humans. Cause there's a lot of us, Yeah, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, you know, just... that's perfectly said that ability to diffuse and deescalate is really, I think the key takeaway there. And, you know, to your point, we are ultimately all humans and we don't want to, we need to be talked with more than we need to be talked at. And it, it takes a special skill set to do that. And a lot of times I think the misconception is that in your field, it's not going to be you who is going to talk with us. You're more likely to talk at us. And I think that's another way that you manage to distinguish yourself within your field. And just another reason why, again, in my mind, I just keep going back to that kid who was looking for that tie in the morning and uh, and to where where you are today. Yeah, it was, so, it was a Disney tie with all these characters on it. It was the only one I could find. So. There you go. I mean, it, it's crazy, though, kind of <laughs> thinking about it now. And, and um, a lot of times people do these interviews and, you know, they say the right things. But one of the things that you're doing is you're speaking... 100% with conviction from the heart. And I think that means a lot for a lot of the listeners out there to kind of make note of is, uh, again, a student from day one, learning every single day, talking about the different types of people, the different experiences, the fact that we're all different and um, in identifying those nuances, uh, being able to build the skill set to work with these various clientele. And I want to talk a little bit more about what life is like today now. You know, I know you're working in overseeing the ranch. Um, is that your main responsibility right now? Or can you talk a little bit about what your day-to-day -day is, you know, now? Yeah, that's that's my main responsibility now. But I do a multitude of things, you know, but that's, I love it. You know, I mean, what Dan's doing here is, it's beautiful to be part of, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm so thankful to have this opportunity now. It's different. You know, you're, you know, I'm around animals and trees and fresh air and, you know. Yeah, just, much, it's, much uh, different. It's, 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 it's so, I love it, you know, it's, well, it's different. For someone yeah. who just doesn't know, can you explain a little bit with regards to what your responsibilities are um, in this kind of environment, you know, as opposed to what you're doing on the strip? I mean, I'm an operations guy. You know, so, you know, I've, you know, I was, I was the, you know, I was a fix it guy for a long time because I could create structures and systems where there was none, you know, and, and, um, so my role now is really defined by creating a, a structured system of protocols and then training and grooming and coaching, you know, so that people understand, um, how important their individual roles are in what we're trying to create and what the vision of the, the placements are. So, How big is the ranch? 26 acres. Got it. So you are in charge essentially or have oversight over the operations of 26 acres worth of land. And again, I'm just going to dive in just to make sure that the um, listeners are are educated on this. You're not just focusing on the security. You're just you're focused on the overall operations of the ranch. Yeah, got it. Yeah, security included yeah. as well. Of course, yeah. Securities, you know, just all these things are second nature now. So, you know, by having me in a position, you know, I if I need to be the janitor, I'm going to be the janitor. 
You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. I don't. Uh, the titles are relevant to me. You know, it's it's what I. I'm here because of my ability to do whatever is needed for anybody. You know, like I don't. You know, I I enjoy being with the animals. You know, I enjoy doing mindless things. You know what I mean? And just yeah. just just feeling. You know, like we have a zebra. You know, we have. You know, there's a zorse, a camel. You know, and. I just have so much gratitude and appreciation just to be doing what I'm doing here that it, I don't even know what to say other than all the things of my life, all of my experiences that I've created in my life and that have been created for me in my life have all navigated me to be here right now. So, you know, that I'm in living my best life right now, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I love if that. I want eggs, I, I want no, eggs. I, I walk up to the chicken coop, you know, and go get eggs, get eggs that were just presented that morning. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a different life. It's a peaceful life. It's amazing. When you think of, when you think about the trajectory and, and, and the chaos that maybe started your journey. And now you're talking about how peaceful your life is. And, and you think about, you know, just kind of that evolution from, you know, not knowing where your next paycheck was going to be, you know, uh, making it on your own, figuring it out, uh, shaping up your mindset to now kind of living this life that you're so happy with. I I kind of want to ask one one other question related to this, and it's hard to ask this question because clearly you're in a place now where you're you're content with where you are. But is there anywhere where you know you kind of go to for? just your overall daily wellness, you know, whether it's, you know, going to the gym every day, whether, you know, you had mentioned being with the animals and, and, and how much that makes you happy, but is there any part of your routine that has maintained structure for you or kind of kept you in line, whether it is now or, you know, maybe in the earlier stages on in your career? Well, first I'll just say that I feel like this here is, a, you said that you know, I'm in such a uh, peaceful environment now, right? I really honestly feel like this is a manifestation of the peaceful environment I have within, you know, that uh, took a long time to manifest itself. But, you know, that, that this is not a job for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That That's like, that's what I was trying to get out when you were first talking about the ranch. Like, this isn't a job for me. Yeah. And I do this for free. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't, no title, no this, sure. no that, no, no money. Like, I honestly, I would just live. You know, and and so like, you know that that's that's really what I'd like to make clear is like this is like I'm, my gratitude and 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 there's cornerstones that that I've kept in my life. You know, gratitude, appreciation, and remorse. You know, like like those things right there. You know, like I have so much gratitude for everything and everybody that's been a part because there's been a lot of people that have invested in me in order for me to be here right now. That that. I wouldn't be here for, if it wasn't for a multitude of people, you know? Um, but, and then I appreciate everything, you know, like even the hardships that I had, you know, and the struggles that I, that I, that I grew through, you know, and, and the people that didn't give me the chances and the opportunities, I'm thankful for them just as I am for the ones that did give me the chances and the opportunities, you know? Um, and then remorse, you know, you, you, I think you have to understand really what remorse is. If you make a mistake, you got to learn from it and accept the consequences from that decision or choice, you know, and then, but ultimately this is a manifestation of something that is inside of me now and it's come out, you know, and then um, my day to day, you know, like, like a lot of people, they need to, um, everyone has their own journey. Yeah. You know, so I'm only going to say what's my journey, sure. you know, and, and, and as far as what I, what I like to do is I don't go to the gym, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't do that. I like to make my life the gym, you know, is, you know, when I was bodyguarding and traveling all over, you know, I had to make a gym wherever I was. I had to find rhythms and routines and structure something where there was no structure. And there was no time frame. I wouldn't know what I would, how much time I would have allotted to do this. Yeah. I may get 30 minutes to figure something out over here, or 20 minutes over here, or an hour over here. So what I've, what I've found and accumulated in my life for me is like, I tell a lot of people, like I'm, I also volunteer at uh, my daughter's and my, my, my stepson's charter school as I do the boys group, 
you know, in the second year I've done it and I have 21 young men now, you know, it's, 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 it's grown substantially, you know, and, and, um, I tell these young men, this is what I do. I wake up, I drop down, I do my pushups every day, you know, and, and it doesn't matter how many you can do, you know? So I always ask like, how many pushups can you do? Everyone wants to pump up. Oh, I can do this many. Well, I can do a hundred, but I, it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. You know, how many can you do every day? Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, I keep some kids will be like, oh, or some young man will be like, oh, I can do 25. I'm like, all right, do 10. But do 10 every morning. Yeah. And then do 10 every night. Yeah. So then that's 140 a week. Yeah. You know I mean? So, you know, and then you times that, you know, and then now you're doing every day that's compounding more than the guy that's just going to the gym every now and again now still go to the gym yeah you know still do these other things but let these other things build where people aren't building you know and so so for me i i drop down i i do simple 50 push-ups and then i drop down and do another 50 push-ups so then that's 100 every day yeah. you know and then you times that times 365 you know so it's really about the consistency. And I think that that's really what's helped me and benefited me so much in my life is that I was able to be consistent in so many aspects of my life, you know, when a lot of other people lacked the consistency because maybe they were better than me. Maybe they were smarter than me. Maybe they were stronger than me. Maybe they were tougher than me, but they weren't as consistent as me. And they didn't give everything that they had to whatever they were doing like me. You're a, a truly beautiful individual, and I'm I'm so grateful, Kane, for you to coming on and and, and sharing all this and and listening you to, to you speak. There are so many ways that individuals of all backgrounds can really relate and pick up from everything that you've shared today. Whether it's your commitment to being consistent, whether it's your ability to to manifest really where you are today, and and the truth is that. Again, in hearing your voice, I think that your calmness has brought you to the environment that that you're in right now. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you for, for sharing your narrative. And thank you for giving the Mile 40 family insight uh, into where you got today. You know, I, if, just a note for the listeners out there, going into this, we really could have talked about a bunch of celebrities, a bunch of stories, and, and tried to dive into some of the things that uh, Kane has seen. But, you know, this is all about diving into those pit to peak moments in life and understanding where someone came from and how they've identified the lessons along their journey to get them to where they are today. So thank you, Kane, for coming along for this journey. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.